0: short stories tell everybody what we've
1: got going on Gary hey we got we got a distinguished guest this morning uh big john willemsma uh, he's probably hears that hears his last name pronounced a hundred different ways uh but i think i got it right don't i big john you got it
2: you, uh, excuse me you did a good job oh.
1: all right cool no, John's a member, of course, of the Traditional Cowboy Arts Association. You've been in. What year did you get in, John? Two thousand.
2: Excuse me. Two thousand eight. So oh uh,
1: eight. Yeah. Oh so, dang! Fifteen that years. A, that,
2: that was a banner year. That was the year that Pablo got in. Me, <laughs> myself and uh, Armando. Uh, no. Oh wow. Uh, um, Russell Yates. So.
0: Uh, and Russell too? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was I was about to say you were you were you were the forgotten one, but since Russell was so quiet, uh he probably was forgotten with Pablo, the personality, Mr. Personality in there. <laughs> yeah, I think
2: Pablo, I don't I don't have near the personality that Pablo the Latin lover has. So.
0: <laughs> None of us do. No. None of us have Pablo's personality. Uh, he's a kick. well man i think your story your family's story uh i think is very interesting and i, and I think it's something that that we need to share and so, man so uh, first of all talk about your family you y'all y'all are fairly new to america as we might say you didn't come over on the mayflower anyhow right
2: yeah, we came on to fast Mayflower. But no, my family immigrated to the United States in 1956. And um, that was back... where you come in, from? From Holland, from the Netherlands. That um, yeah. was after World War II. And at that time in in in, uh, in in immigration history, you had to have a sponsor to come to the United States. And... So you had three opportunities to, to to get a sponsor. So on the last opportunity, my family got a sponsor. So my, my mom and dad and and five siblings all immigrated to the United States and moved to California. It's like the Beverly Hillbilly, but, uh, (laughs) it was, it was like, you know, it takes, and it takes a lot of guts to pack up seven people and, uh. Go someplace you've never been before, but there was a big Dutch community in in, the, in Southern California at that time. A lot of dairies, and so they had there was a lot of support for those guys back then. So, but you know, my dad was a carpenter, and uh, so there was a lot of building going on, and, and uh, so that's what he did, and that's what I grew up working with my father at, as a carpenter. So, uh, huh. it's uh, uh, I remember we'd go to school, and on the weekends. Uh my dad would pack my brother and I up, and then we'd go tear down the dairies that were around there at the time, and that were built into housing subdivisions and so uh my dad would tear down the lumber my my brother and I would pull the nails and we'd straighten the nails out and we reuse the lumber and reuse the nails so
0: I'll be done
2: how I grew up
0: that's cool so so how'd you get tied into the uh Western culture so much. Your brother too. He rides horses, and I don't know about your sisters, but how'd that happen?
2: Uh, oh, we lived lived in a little area. There were in that part of, at that time in, in Southern California. There were still strawberry fields and horse stables, and we lived close enough we could ride our bikes or walk to the three horse stables that were there. And uh, that's how we got introduced into horses. And so, and I was probably maybe five years old when we first hung around them horse stables and. That's the first rodeo I ever we we ever participated in. There, the bunch of us kids got together and got all our horses together. On it was President's Day, and uh, pooled our money and bucked our ponies and horses and had our first
0: rodeo. So, <laughs> <You laughs> flank the saddle horses, and way you went? We
2: got well. We did. We didn't flank, and we just put a catch rope around their flanks, and then we went off and had fun. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so that was my, that was my first experience of, of the whole rodeo thing. I think my dad took me to the to the rodeo in the L.A. Coliseum. It must have been 1966 or something like that. So first big thing I ever got to see. Um,
3: hmm. uh,
2: then it was always something I wanted to do. We left California in 1968 and moved back to – I lived in Europe for a year there in Holland. And uh, after a year, we came back, and I um, – We lived in West Virginia and Virginia, and I graduated high school in Virginia, but I still rodeoed. Um, I rode bulls because that was what I could afford to do. Uh, There was an article in the Western Horseman, must have been 1973 or something like that, how to build your own bull rope. So that was what I did.
0: (laughs) So you started out making bull ropes?
2: (laughs) Yeah. So I braided my own bull ropes and made bones spurs and shot class, and so that's how that started.
0: So I don't know what the physique of a bull rider looked like in 1966, but let's just say you would be, you would stick out in today's culture of bull riders at 6'5".
2: Definitely, I'll tell you that much for sure. It was, um, yeah, I would probably be like Jerome Davis or something like that, a big, tall, slender guy, but, you know, that was in the 70s, and so I rodeoed there in my senior year of high school, and uh, was the only kid that wore a hat where I went to school, so... um, was it was, a, it, was a, it was a good time and uh, I wanted to be a commercial artist and a cartoonist so I sent cartoons to all Western horsemen every horse magazine around at the time and got rejected so I thought hmm so I went to a horse sale <laughs> and bought a saddle at a horse sale and I took it to shop class in my senior year of high school and thought well I'll rebuild this saddle and so I did not know anything about leatherwork or saddles but so I'm making a pair of shafts for myself and I thought well Maybe instead of doing commercial art, I'll learn how to build saddles. So I found a uh, saddle school there in Amarillo, Texas, uh, TSTI, and went there for a year, and then spent ten years working in different shops for the years. So, so that how you got to Texas. That's or how or this, I got this, to- yeah,
0: to the to the heartland.
2: But huh. it was, you know, Amarillo in 1976 was it was kind of a wild, open place, so
0: still cold if you're
2: eight years old you thought you could do it you could do it but they were the good you know i think there was a lot of people went to that school i think oh you know, scott brown the saddle maker he was there at the time i think troy west went after me jeremiah watt went after me they put out you didn't learn a lot but you learned the basics and um you know i think I got the uh, the ability to work with my hands through my through my dad and the artwork part from my mother so
0: um how oh,
2: but i went to you know i worked in a i think the first shop i ever worked in was in uh nineteen i went to work there in january nineteen seventy eight and i spent five years there that was back in the days you know ryan's was still a big shop capriola's was a shop um i went to work for a, a you know elect rodeoing so I went to work for the place called the Cowboy Shop in Burden, Kansas, and um, it was a Tuffy shop. Tuffy Flagler, that I worked for, Tuffy Flagler and John Macbeth. Yeah, uh, and uh, it was a shop. We worked six days a week, nine hours a day, fifty-four hours a week. And I made, I made two dollars and forty cents an hour. So,
0: <laughs> never another broke
2: day. Yeah, my first paycheck was one hundred and four dollars, so that was that was making some money, man. So,
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it was it was it was a really good experience for a kid, you know. I I, I was a sad, only saddle maker there, and so I built lots of saddles. I built lots of bronc saddles. I I made some Bronx saddles. Oh, I could make three a week by the time I was done. So,
3: oh,
2: I built probably. Um in five years 350 400 bronc saddles there so hmm. but the, lots of saddles so.
0: well you know that that type of work is is uh very educational it's not not the most um captivating mentally but man it teaches you a lot um in the craft when, to to build the fundamental build the cake right to bake the cake i always say that that type of work teaches you a lot
2: you know, I think it would have done and I worked for another shop. I did production work for a small shop and um you know, you cut a lot of leather and we cut everything by hand. And and you know, nothing intimidates you after you do something that long. So Right. Uh, I think that's you know, a lot of these young guys today, uh, you know, they might build fifty or hundred saddles, but you know, uh, you've got to build a lot of stuff to make be comfortable doing things. So
0: yeah. yeah yeah Greg Greg used to give me a coffee can full of rows and say file them. and uh two rows bothers the heck out of me now, but I you know and no, I didn't spend the same amount of time on those rows as what I'm doing on the ones I work on now, but when you have a coffee can full of them there and you do it all week long you you start to figure some things out, and uh that that's. Not fun, but it's awesome. Apprenticeship, right? Is that what we're talking about? Part of the apprenticeship process.
2: Yeah, and I think that's a sad thing that there's not any more today. There's not, you know, there's a few shops out there, but they don't, not like before where they had five or six saddle makers. And I think, you know, being able to go someplace and just go to work and build saddles, heck, I didn't even have to sew my stuff. I, I had they had somebody there sewing my skirts for me and my billets and back cinches and everything. So hmm. uh, I just had to build saddles. I'm I think done. that's a sad thing. There's not around anymore. these that a young guy can go to and go, just go to a shop and say, you know, can I go to work? And,
1: right.
2: Uh, learn, learn to trade. So
1: so yeah. did you get going to business for yourself after you left Tuffy's place? Or?
2: Oh, I worked for, I went to, I spent five years there. And then I worked for another guy. Um, we built, he built kind of a semi-production type saddle. And then after I left him, I think after i I'd spent ten years in shop till together all together, and then I started my own shop. You know, in a little old building, and started actually in the laundry room of my house. So, and hmm. uh, so so that would have been I don't know maybe nineteen eighty five something like that, eighty six. So I've been been work. I've been self employed since that long. So.
1: So then you got <laughs> juried into the trappings of the American West. Then that w- would have you know, been what eighty? Was that eighty-seven when I met you?
2: No, oh, it was nineteen eighty-eight. I think
1: eighty-eight,
2: and uh, that was an eye I- So That was like, and you know, I, I think I knew I knew both of the jurors at the time, so it was probably didn't hurt my case a little bit, you know. So <laughs> it was Scott Brown, an old saddle maker out of Tulsa, Oklahoma named Charlie Beals. And uh, Charlie was one of the jurors and Charlie talked Scott and let me come. And it was like a life changing event. So um I think Carrie I met Carrie there. Holy cow, Don Butler was very kind to me. Dale Arwood was there. Uh, it was kind of like meeting all your heroes in one place.
0: Don King didn't Chuck have some stuff didn't Chuck have stuff there too? Well
2: <laughs> Uh, I'm not gonna say it was a little late getting there, I think. So Oh <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> He didn't he didn't show up though. He sent stuff but uh, I never did tough. meet Chuck there.
2: No, uh uh-uh. uh. No. Uh I never met Chuck until I started applying to go to the T C A, but uh uh it was that was a really it was a really ex- great experience, I think. Uh what a fun weekend. I think you know Carrie and I did our first radio interview there, so
1: it was a live radio interview with uh, a local uh, country radio station, a gal named Rose. <laughs> That's all all uh-huh. I remember. And she, we, I don't know, just a short interview. I don't know how it was that we drew the short straw. We were the dumbest ones, dumbest looking ones in the room or what. I don't know. But here we are again, all these years later with the microphone in our face.
0: And yeah. now you own it.
1: <laughs> so you two were in your 30s then?
0: Early 30s?
2: Oh, early 30s, yeah. I was probably. in
1: my 20s. Yeah. A... Now, wait a second. Uh, Let's not do the math now. No, if no, it, th- it, it was 87, then I, I would have been, yeah, I would have been in my 20s. Yeah. Wow. And you're a year or two older than me, John, aren't you?
2: Yeah,
3: yeah.
1: 65.
2: But it was, I think that was one of the nice things about that show was it, it was, uh, it was, at that time it was really well done and it was really well put together there. Uh, and you got to see people's work. That was the first time, you know, I got to see stuff firsthand. Um, that, you know, saddles were, you know, it was, whether it was the saddles or it was it bits and spurs or whatever, even the artwork, you know, it was put in, a, it was displayed in a, in a really wonderful way. And it was, a, it was a really high very prestigious event to get invited to. Let me just say that.
0: So, the the only other show like that would have been the Trappings of Texas, right, in Alpine, and then didn't it happen what mid eighties too? Didn't it kind of start the same time?
2: No, it started after that, the one in Flagstaff. So it would have been that's
0: probably in the nineties. Oh, I'll be
1: darned. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's you know, I'll say one thing about the one in Alpine that was. You know, it's still going on. I think that that shows a lot for what the show is. So, Mm -hmm. longevity, Mm -hmm. you know, like Flagstaff, I think they went for, it was really going really good for five or six years. And then, you know, whatever happens with museums or art centers, you know, they change people and, you know, at the end, I think it was just kind of a mess. So, But in the (laughs) beginning, it it was a cool place to go,
0: so... Well, You know, we're going I'm gonna get back on John Malinsma's story here in a minute because I think there's lots of entertaining aspects to the huge no, big no. John, But no, there, <laughs>
2: there are there are certain, certain stories that I aren't going to get talked about.
0: Okay, so. <laughs> we don't need to tell them all. But I, I wish know. we could, but but, uh, but what, talking about our industry and shows and things. Now, I, if if there's one thing that I that I'm sad about is is like Flagstaff, Alpine's still going on, but there's not a lot of places with that type of show gallery type setting that you don't have to stand on your, on your table like a buzzard watching people go by the flea market situation is what I call it. Um, it's, I think it's really sad that we don't have more shows like those for, for young, uh, young aspiring artists like you, like you two were at Flagstaff, you know, early thirties, late twenties, that are cutting their teeth and wanting to get going. Uh, I, I think it's sad that they, that we don't have more places like that. I don't know how to fix it, and I'm probably not going to be the one to do it. But I wish it was different.
2: You know, I agree. I think that you know, I think that's one of the sad things in the. You know, we talk about it quite a bit. You know, amongst ourselves, and uh, there is no place for these young guys to take their work. You know, you can. I think Elko still has a little show, but um, you know, sadly, there is. There's you know, you can show your work on Facebook all you want, but I think you you lose that personal interaction. Mm-hmm. going to someplace like flagstaff and being able to talk to dale hardwood or don king or don butler at the time um i think that was a, a those things are lost and i think the tca show is you know one nice thing about that is our there's snow that weekend that people can come there and, and you're pretty accessible um but i don't have the answer to that i think that someone else with, with more time and money than i do could have to figure that one out
0: so it's promoter types right the gallery owners um people that know how to connect people and, and do sales and put on a big party is, is, is the, I think that's the person, the person to solve the, the, the problem. But I, I don't know who that is.
2: Well, I know that, that the Sheridan leather show, they have a saddle show there in a, a competition. Uh, but to have something in a gallery type setting like that, that the object was for sale, that you had an opportunity to sell something. I think those, those things are lost. Um, and kudos to Alpine to keep that going. But
3: um,
2: yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's hard for these guys. You know, there, there there's some, there's some people doing some wonderful work out there. I mean, wonderful work that would be fun to have put someplace that you could see it in a gallery type setting. So,
0: Yeah. Totally agree. Let's talk about your journey, big John of, of, uh, of your TCA journey. So you were started on your own and, in uh what'd you say 85 or something like that and being clicking along you you found out about the tca and that that wasn't just a road of roses getting in that little deal either not to pick on you but i i think it's awesome for people to hear the determination and heart that you had in that journey and, and the journey that still goes on too
2: you know i think there are, you know i think god works in really wonderful ways i think there's uh there's there's the path and i think uh, it, it's an interesting thing. There was a, uh, I was working in my shop there in Guthrie, Oklahoma, and I heard that this TCA thing was going on there at the Cowboy Museum and that uh, Don King and Dale Harwood were going to have a flower carbon con- uh, class and workshop. And I thought, hmm. So I called down at the museum, and I spoke to this guy named Don Reeves. And uh, <laughs> Don Reeves told me, he said, well, no, the class is all full up but we'll put you on a waiting list or something. So I said, okay. So the day before the class happened, he calls me, he says, someone had to cancel and we have an opening and you're the closest person close by that who can come and not have to make plans. So would you like to come? And so that's how that worked out. So, um, cool. So that was was quite an eye opener. You know, there was a lot of guys there that, that, uh, took that class and, and to be able to, To be able to, uh, you know, learn from from Dale at that time. And then uh, I think I applied to the TCA the next year. And uh, we were sitting there talking. And and, uh, Dale said to me, he said, well, he said, you did okay. Why don't you come to the shop and work, you know, we'll do it. The TCA had the class deal. You could get a little scholarship and come spend a week at the shop. So that was my beginning of my TCA journey there.
0: so that first class would have been what, O one or O two?
2: Yes. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so, cause I was there, my first introduction was 2003 and that was same type of situation. I, I wasn't on a waiting list, but they uh, had the bit deal and, and uh away I went, but interesting. Yeah, it
2: was, well, it was, uh, um, you know, I, I applied the first time and I remember talking to Kerry that he said, well, keep whatever, keep going at it. And, and I remember, uh, and then I went to go see Dale, and then I applied again the next year, and then didn't get in that year. And then I, I thought, man, I, the third year I applied, I thought, man, I really smoked it with that one, and no, nope, I didn't get in then either. So, <laughs> I, and Chuck Doran was nice enough at that time. He said, uh, "Why don't you come to the shop and spend some time?" So I went to go see Chuck for the first time, and then uh, actually went up there twice in my journey, and uh, uh I. I think the last time I was going to apply, which was my sixth time, I went to go see Chuck. And he said, So you're going to apply again? I said, Yeah, it's my last time. I'm not going to do it anymore after this. I gave myself five and I'm not going to do it anymore. He said, Okay. So, um, but that was the time. And like I said, I think I was the first person they ever interviewed. They started the interview process and I, I told those guys. I said, you know, I, I couldn't have made that saddle I applied with if you guys hadn't turned me down five times. So, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, kudos to you, John. You're, you you uh, you took it on the chin and you went and if we asked you to do something, you went and did it. Uh, that I I I just have a tremendous amount of respect for for your attitude and how you handled all that. So
2: yeah, I think it, it's it, it. You know, I think it changes your outlook when you look at someone's work who applies, and you have a little empathy for them, but then you don't have a lot of sympathy for them either. So um, <laughs> I don't know if Are that's you, a, if that's fair to say, but that's kind of how it is. So,
0: well, um, no, it is. You understand the the journey that they're on. You understand the struggle, but you're going to insist that they go through it to accomplish what it is that they need to to get to be there, right? Because people may not understand this, but uh, it it would be very detrimental to the individual to put them in that environment of creating the three best things they've ever made in their life. And a a young saddle maker sitting next to you two that, that doesn't fit in. Well, and that it's not going to look good for that individual at all. And, and uh, so you don't, you don't want to throw them in the fire before they're ready. And you want them to have a skill set that can, Carry the tradition on. So it's a, it's I think an you know process.
2: One of the things that the whole process of applying, I think it, it intimidates a lot of people, but you can't be intimidated if you want it bad enough. I think um I think there was a guy who made a comment that if you want something bad enough you figure out a way. And if you don't, you figure out excuses. So um, That's right. And I think that's kind of uh, you know, the application process isn't hard, but it is it's a lot of work. You know, you have to bring you have to bring a nice piece of work, and and as Rick Bean says, you know, it has to that piece you apply with needs to be able to be able in that show and stand with it with the work of that show. So, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think I think you know, getting turned down wasn't the worst thing that ever happened to me. Maybe getting in was the worst thing. I don't know. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I, I mean. Go ahead, Kay.
1: Oh, I, you know, I, I, I don't know that I told John this, but I, I know I did, Rick. I, I think he got turned down once, I think, and I said, Rick, you just need to be very careful about what you wish for. And then mm-hmm. years later, when he did get in, he says, "You were right. <laughs> 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 I wasn't very careful about what I wished for." So you think there's a lot of pressure to apply and go through the interview process and stuff, wait till you get in and then you're in the fire and, uh, it's all good. It's all good pressure and stuff. But at the same time, it's the pressure doesn't go away. Does it?
2: No, I think it doesn't. I think it gets worse. I think sometimes, um, I think, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I think I'll put it this way on my TCA piece this year. Um, I think, you have to have a pretty good attitude about because I was i had put the seat in my saddle, it was full flower car, it had the inline seat sewed in there, had the seat put in the saddle. And I looked at it on a Thursday afternoon and I said, This just doesn't look good. So I ripped the whole thing out and started all over again. So I lost hmm, five holy days. On that yeah. So
1: What did you do with the think, the, the seat? Uh, did you throw it away?
2: It's underneath my bench, way back in the back someplace. <laughs> so
1: uh, Oh man. <laughs>
2: in in 48 years second seed i messed up so uh that's not a bad average but you know if it doesn't work it doesn't look right that you know it, it has to look good in that show and, and and when when you're part of the group you represent everybody else in the group so yeah yeah 24 7 know, too so
0: well that's what i was about to say it's not just that show it's it's from then on it's it's you're representing the saddle industry Um, or me as a bit and sperm maker i I represent the whole industry and every piece that that comes out of my shop is now scrutinized with under those optics right and uh so gotta do right and 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 there is pressure right there's a ton of pressure but how are diamonds made and and my career has come so far because that obligation um was was on me and i embraced it and and uh we're sitting here saying, that. oh my gosh it may have been the worst thing that ever happened to me, but I can promise you we both we're well, all three lying. it's the best thing that's ever happened to our career and and uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world now don't get me wrong on a Friday afternoon the week before our deadline sometimes that's a little stressful but that's what makes us
2: it's like I told this what I it goes back to what I said in that interview process I said I, I wouldn't have been able to do what I did, if you had to turn me down, I, I wouldn't be the the craftsman I am now, uh, without being in the TCA. So,
3: Mm-mm.
2: you know, just the opportunities for, um, you know, the work is one thing, but I think you guys, you and Jay Adcock talked about it. It was like, you know, there is there is a com camaraderie in um, uh, um, in in the group that you know everybody shares the same situation. Everybody sa- shares the same. Life, life, uh, life—things going on. I think you're sitting there. Everybody knows there's a the deadline. Everybody's working hard to complete it. And, and know whether it's bits or spurs or braid and Ride or something, it's um, there is a shared experience right there that, that uh, very few people get to do. So
1: it's
0: it is special. It's a special deal.
1: It's spree decor. There's a there's a certain camaraderie uh, that it, we're like a family, and but. Like a family, we don't always see eye to eye, do we? <laughs> we got we oh. get through the bumps and and uh, disagreements and stuff like that. So that's part of the package and stuff. It, to me, I've always looked at it as a miracle that that it even happened to begin with, because we're so independent minded. We're independent craftsmen, one man shops, one person shops all over the place, and but I think that. That camaraderie is some of the glue that helps keep it all together, though. Is, and that's what Jay talked about. Is that working on ranches and a part of a crew. He he missed that part, Uh so the TCA's kind of filled in the gap somewhat, although not on a daily basis. So, uh, I I certainly have enjoyed it. All the Zoom calls we've been on and uh, uh, spring meetings and all that stuff. We've had some great times.
2: Yeah. And I think it, it's, uh, and I think it, it's, um, uh, I think we have to work about it and we talk about it a lot about getting more new members and getting new blood into the group. And, and, you know, just if you're listening to this podcast, apply, I mean, it's just, that's that simple, you know, you can't win the lottery if you don't buy a ticket, you know? So,
1: um, you know, I, I, uh, I'm not going to mention any names, um, uh, but, not long ago I was talking to a, a person about uh, applying for membership and they were they were wondering whether they were ready to uh, apply and I tried to persuade them that uh if if you're thinking about applying and you've you've talked to people about you know jump through the hoops and and all of the stuff the things that we ask of potential applicants to do you're ready I said, if if you're ready for a critique, you're ready to apply. That's um, the ticket. So beyond, beyond that, I mean, I can't tell you no promises on anything other than I promise you'll get a critique. You will get an open and honest critique, period.
2: Yeah, yeah I remember. I remember talking to. I think it was Chuck, and Chuck said to me, he said, well, he said, if you don't get in, you'll be, look how look how better a saddle maker that you'll be, you know? I said, well, Mm -hmm. that may be mad. (laughs) Yeah. So that just made me want to get in even worse, I think, so. uh, And I think, you know, it's at that time, you know, there was no internet. I think there wasn't any Facebook, there wasn't any other way to get critique, except unless you went someplace and physically put your work in front of them. So um, it took effort. So.
0: Well, and 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 the the physical personal contact of being in front of the individual is priceless and that that's the best way for me to give a critique and i will probably only give a true honest critique if i'm either know the person really well or i'm in person with them while i give the critique cuz there's there's energies that come off of me condemning what you've done. And, and if it's too negative, then I don't feed the, I don't feed the beast anymore. Right. It's like just a little at a time. And cause I do not want to hurt feelings. And, and that personal contact is, uh, you know, in a critique, all I want to do is inspire, not, not tear down, but you have to, you have to point out what's wrong in those critiques. And so um, TCA, you know, having to an interview and, and uh, getting to look at that, being an applicant, I mean, uh, that that's, that's about the ultimate deal, uh, as yeah. far as being in front.
2: You have to be, you know, it's very, you, you, you become very vulnerable. Uh, yeah, at that at that moment, I think when you put that piece of work out there, and you know you're sitting there on the side, and you've got all these guys looking at your work, it's it's pretty, it's intimidating, and and you're very open and yeah, vulnerable is word for I think what that would be. I would describe that feeling as so. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, when I played, we didn't have the interview. And uh, i uh, it's not that I was looking forward to standing in front of, of, of the guys, but I really wished I could have explained some of the things I did or had questions addressed to me instead of them just under, you know trying to interpret what it is I had done. I think that's a, a big improvement we've made over the years is allowing the person to speak for themselves and us get to know them too. Yeah, but I think we need
2: what we're doing now, I think, with the uh, fellowship recipients, and I think that was that's mm, you know that didn't come without uh, bumps or bruises or anything like that along the road, but allowing those guys to to display a piece of their work in the show, I think it creates a little bit more excitement. Um, I think it's going to be good for everybody. Uh, I think it's it allows those people an opportunity um, to actually you know as we talked about earlier um, to have their work. On display in, in a wonderful museum setting, so uh,
1: sure.
2: it, what a, what an opportunity! So,
1: well, that kind sure. of fills the gap in uh, what we were talking about earlier uh, for up and coming mm-hmm. craftsmen. There's just not a lot of places they can go and display their stuff with some hope of of uh, being able to get a sale on on something. So, I'm I'm thrilled with that. For those of uh, folks out there that don't know what's going on with that. Our fellow, our current fellowship recipients have been invited to, uh, display a piece in our show and it will be for sale. So tremendous opportunity. Um, I think, and, and, uh, I'm, I'm really excited about that. I think it does, uh, kind of tear down some of the walls that we've, we've encountered with between us and everyone else. But, uh, uh, we've we've uh, been a lot of encouragement over the years to do this very thing, and and um, I for one am thrilled that we're doing it.
3: Well, I certainly am.
0: Uh, I I think it's really cool. Giving a little spotlight, sharing a little spotlight, right?
2: Yeah, and I think it's pretty nice that their piece will be in in, in our catalog, and I think that gives them a lifetime recognition. That's something you can hang your head on. Lifetime, I think. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would. I, when I was applying, I wish there was a fellowship, and and I'd have, it would have been like I'd have been all over top of that. So, um, I'm glad that I'm glad that we we matured as an organization, and that we're we're going in a good direction. I think in that way.
1: So um so john you getting any roping in this summer
2: i haven't roped i'm gonna go rope end of august i'll go to ogden utah and uh didn't get much chance to rope this summer my horse is getting older i'm gonna go pick up a new horse and i'll go rope at the uh, buck random and pro-am roping and uh, at the end of the month so um
1: i'd like to go there i'm, I'm not gonna make it but.
2: um so I like you to, still I, haven't I like picked up
1: that horse?
2: No, I traded for. I'm, you know, I'm I'm a typical saddle maker. I I traded for this horse two years ago at the pro am in, in uh, Corning, California, and uh, so um, he's I, he was three years old when I traded for him. Now he's a broke five year old. So uh, <laughs> that's a pretty good deal for me. I,
1: think. I would think so, so. I would think so.
2: Yeah. Uh, i it, it's it, I'm excited about that uh my horse is older now he's twenty three years old, so I don't like hauling him too far, but so this young horse is gonna i hopefully it uh, it it gives me an opportunity i want to go rope some more, but you know it, it, then I have my responsibility uh, to get my t c a work done in the winter so I can go rope in the summer so uh, <laughs> that nice my wife would really like that so
0: hmm. I, do you know when the deadline is next year? No, no clue.
2: <laughs> I have I have a tree ready for next year already. So but you know, and that's one of the things that we laugh about. You know, there's it's um you know, deadlines and things like that. But um you know, there's a there's the an unsung group uh that that doesn't get their faces in the catalog, but I think our spouses are our partners. I think boy those guys put up with a lot of stuff. So yep. um that's uh you know my wife said, Can't you do something so we can go do something in the summertime together? And I said, Well, yeah, okay, I'll do it next year. And so next year is the same as the year before. So um I think Wilson that is and a very Andrew familiar refrain. Folks, yes. Yeah. So um I would like to be but that's that's uh that this falls on, on each individual. Gary, you're not any different than me. At least you got to go camping this year it looks like, see. So oh, man.
1: Uh, it ain't over with yet either. So oh, yep. No, I I'd love to I've got my horse is twenty years old and and uh he's a better horse than I am horseman. But it uh I roped a little bit off of him, but I'd love to get into more of that kind of stuff. But but you got to have a little set of cattle, you know, somewhere access to them, right? And that's that right there is what I would enjoy. I don't know how much of the competition thing I'd want to do, but just getting horseback and roping some cattle and and learning more of that stuff, learn some different shots and whatnot. So. You did that in Oklahoma, though, oh, did ya? You? you you guys had a little little bunch of cows, and you'd go out there every every other right. evening yeah. or whatever, and just spend an evening roping them. Not team roping, but I just a, ranch type roping, right?
2: Yeah, I had a quarter I had a quarter section leased, and oh, well, I think I run about twenty old mother cows, and had some cows out there. And, yeah, it was really kind of a fun time just to go out there and, and uh, after work or in the evening or on a day off, go out there and have a picnic and go fish or do something and, and see the cow that you owned and and uh, uh, so now I, we we fenced off our place last year, so I got a couple of steers here at the house now. So before I go rope at, at Corning, I'll get my cattle up and then choke them down a little bit. So I should probably say <laughs> maybe. Rope them a little bit. So how's that? So,
1: <laughs> well, they get these cattle get a nylon deficiency every once in a while, is what I've noticed.
2: Yeah, now they. I think, um, you got to have something to distract yourself a little bit. I think during COVID year they didn't do anything, so I, I, I learned how to fly fish. So that's another thing I'd like to do, or fly fish. So I think that's a, what a, that's a fun thing to learn how to do.
0: So, uh, I'm gonna talk about it. You want to talk about it? Uh, so, being as you're from Colorado now, you can't like me because I'm a Texan, and um, it's against your it's against your state code. I think Colorado like Texas, but that's an easy way to get rid of the Texans. is give us a fly rod. We're gonna pierce <laughs> both ears, and it's it's, it's not good.
2: <laughs> I have a, a good friend of mine, he's a saddle he's a saddle maker and, and he cowboyed for a long time and he said he he got me into fly fishing and he said, It's just like throwing a rope. I said, No, it's not like throwing a rope. <laughs>
0: I agree with you, John.
2: <laughs> it's like it's an old different ball game out there. So
0: We, we went a couple years ago and and uh, gosh dang, I was just a whipping it and a going and a carrying on, you know, and and I'd get it about twelve foot out there in front of me on a good cast and <laughs> this little boy that walked up next to me just slightly gone and gone 100 yards. You're like, How the hell is he doing that? <laughs> <Right? Just> couldn't <laughs> believe how far it was going out there. It wasn't 100 yards, but it seemed like it. My little cast.
2: Yeah. Well, fly fishing is not like the river runs
0: through it in the movie.
2: I'll tell you that. It's, you don't have to cast that far. And it's like, you know, you might cast 20 feet out there. That's about as far as you need to go when you're fishing in the river. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was cool. I certainly enjoyed it. There's a lot of that stuff, you know. So it's just on a daily, on a daily, a daily, a daily grind. Is there, is there a a diversion at the end of the day besides, besides, uh, fishing or roping that you get to go do? Bottle of wine, maybe, huh? Oh, you know, we got a
2: nice back porch and we worked hard on our place and, and Deb and I will sit there in the shade of our we got aspens planted around the house and, and, uh, oh, six o'clock is, it's time for a glass of wine in the evening. So, um, yeah. it's nice to sit down and just relax a little bit and, and, you know, you talk about who you talked to the day or did you talk to anybody or how did your day go and what you'd have to tear apart and fix. So, um,
0: get Deb with the giggles and, uh. For the all that don't know, Deb, she has the greatest giggle of any woman I've ever heard in my life. And you can't help but giggle when she giggles. So if you can just get her giggling, John, it saves the rest of the day, that's for sure. Yeah, give her a glass of wine and she'll giggle pretty good.
2: So <laughs> <laughs> She's a good, a good sport, you know. She she trained racehorses there for years and she rode horses all you know, she run barrel horses for years and uh um, she's, she's pretty smart lady and she's a joy to be around. That's for sure. So, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, there again, God stepped in and, and, uh, and we met and it's been 25 years now. So
0: it's been a good time. So. Well, wow, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Got, you got grandkids. Three grandkids. Oh, so, uh, um, they're
2: a joy, you know, I think, <laughs> I turned 65 this year and it's uh, 50 wasn't bad, 60 wasn't bad, but 65, you know, you can start seeing the end of the tunnel out there a little bit, you know, so. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I don't want to sound like a, a negative Nancy here, but but 65 is, is the number I have put out in my head that that it's not that I'm ever going to quit. I'm going to go as long as I possibly can. I mean, y'all heard the podcast my dad, 78 years old, and and still charging but but not charging the same as when you were 50 and pop gets up when he wants to and paints when he wants to and, and enjoys enjoys life at 78 and and uh, we see so many of our peers um the 65 to 70s you know the 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 drive is is starting to loosen up a little bit and I see nothing wrong with that I I think it's deserving in a lot of ways if you've been Clicking along, so I'm not trying to push you out, John, <laughs> or Carrie.
2: Well,
3: nope. well,
0: in two
2: years it'll be 50 years I've built saddles. Um,
0: that's wow. That's a long
2: to do one thing. That's, it, that's the only occupation I've had since I was 18 years old. So
3: uh, wow. Um, and it's really the only thing while. I ever wanted
2: to do. Yeah. You know, I think that's it's, I'm I'm very blessed that uh, God gave me uh, the ability and i and I you know, listening to your comments with your dad and you're talking about talent and things like that, you know you get the ability, but you have to create that get now God gives you that, but you have to create what God gave you that you know you have to do it on your own, I think so, um, well,
0: it's not just going to be handed to you, and being denied five times uh is a part of that journey right sure. and and we all have two choices um <laughs> that, having the Marine dad that I have, uh, get up or die, son. You got two choices, you know, and, and I didn't, I don't really want to die. I want to keep rocking and rolling keep going down this journey. And, and, uh, uh, that's, that's just, I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. Get up. Let's go.
2: Yeah. I think that, you know, I remember being in Elko, uh, the year that Mike Beaver and T and Carrie were talking about just starting this group. And I thought oh, that'd be kind of fun to be part of. So, um, that was a that was a, a so being part of this group I think has been always uh, uh, one of my life goals I think uh, and I'm very proud to be part of it I think it's been a uh, it, it's very important to be part of something bigger than you are um, I got to be an officer and president for you know, I spent eight years as an officer and then uh, I, I, le- I learned a lot uh, you know it it, it takes what it takes a lot of work to run a nonprofit I figured that out so.
0: It takes a lot of work and it's, and it's not easy, right? I mean, you're, it may be hard for a lot to see, but you're trying to do the best possible job to, to help as many as you can. That's the purpose of the group and being an officer. Good gosh. It's not all roses being up there, taking the, taking the fire and, and trying to, trying to make decisions and help. And you're not as, as officers in our group, we're not making individual decisions that's all on our shoulders, but you are part of a think tank that, He's trying to uh, wade through the gravy to get something good going, and and that's hard. It's not easy.
2: You know, I think you, I think uh, you, myself, and and anyone that was an officer or president, I think you have to make decisions, and and you lose friends sometimes. So um, yeah. it's not. Easy. There are there are decisions you make that are like, I don't want to do this, but you have to. So, um, yeah. Uh, I sh I sh I. Sh- I uh,
0: I still don't give a lot of leniency to our to our government of the United States of America, but, <laughs> but it's not an easy job. I, I I guarantee. Not an easy. No reason to compare the, the TCA to what our governments have in the face, but still, and you're in a in a leadership role like that. It, it is challenging. Challenging for sure. Well, it's yeah, all about wonder, the greater I, I, good
1: of. Uh, you know, what it is we're, we're trying to accomplish here. And, and, uh, so each of us individually, you, you had a, you had a good career. You didn't need the TCA, uh, John, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, been a blessing for you, but at the same time, you know, you, you didn't need all of this, this, uh, headache that came with, uh, being an officer and all that kind of stuff. So, um, and, and of course, completely volunteer position <laughs> it's, and that's the thing we've said it before is that people don't realize just how many volunteer hours go into, especially the leadership, um, in this group. Whew. Wow.
2: Yeah. But I, you know, I think in the end run, I think it, it's, it's so worth it. And I, anybody out there that, you know, if if you're, if you, in one of the trades uh, that we have, uh, it's, it's, you can't believe how, how. How much support there is out there, knowing that there are other people out there struggling just like you, have the same situations going on, and you're not alone. Uh, you're sitting mm-hmm. out there, and you know, I, I, you know, Carrie and I, you know, you go, well, Carrie's building his saddle right now. Everybody's got the same thing going on, and I think, but it is the 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 the, the benefits are been tremendous. I think the the camaraderie that we talked about earlier, it's just it's incredible. So, yeah. um, you know, we see each other twice a year. And when you do, it's like, well, I just talked to you yesterday. So, you know, there's no gap, I think. So
1: well, I'd met Chuck um, in Elko and got acquainted with him down there um quite a quite a long time ago, of course, but but uh I would probably see or talk to Chuck maybe every four or five years. And i um, I feel bad that I haven't, I need to, I owe him a phone call. I need to call Chuck. I haven't stayed in touch with him very well here lately. Of course, he's an emeritus member now. So he's, uh, we don't see quite as much of him, uh, in person these days. But, um, uh, then the TCA comes along and I, I like you, spent a couple of, went up there for a couple of trips to try to get tuned up and stuff. And, and, uh, so, so yeah, this created an opportunity to get together and and uh with like minded people, shared adversity, uh, all of that kind of stuff. Um tremendous support. There's a huge huge amount of support out there. Uh and I, I've said this in our forum, I know I mentioned it, uh, and this is a little something I suppose for folks to think about out there is that everybody needs to have kind of a I guess you could call a personal board of directors and uh somebody the a group of people who can can listen and and give you advice and uh kind of kind of hold your feet to the fire from time to time and uh just be there for you. Well, that's what the association has done. It, they've mm. been you guys have been great friends and and you've been my personal board of directors in a very real sense and uh so i i hold that out there if you folks out there look around you and uh we all become an average of those five people we spend the most time around and so mm-hmm. uh try to try to be a little bit discriminating on who it is you you fall whose influence you fall under and
0: uh so john Innes told a, me Gary, when i the year i applied uh you know he said, uh, he said, I don't know whether you got in or not. And at that point, we didn't tell anybody. Yeah, it was a couple of weeks after we figured it out. But John said, you be very, very careful who you listen to because 10 minutes of bad advice can cost you 10 years of your career. And uh scared the crap out of me because I didn't know who I was supposed to listen to. But, man, that is valuable information. Yeah, I, think I
3: think
1: if they spend like, enough you know, time uh, out there with in with- the – Go ahead, John.
2: Now I think about who your role models are. I think those are the people, like you said, the five people that you want to be around. And for me, it was, that's what this group gave me, was to be around the five best saddle makers that there was. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Yep. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, the cool part is, though, is I, I'd like to say this to all those guys that, that aren't members in the world, of of uh, which is the majority of people, is like, mm, I'm going to say now that that we're accessible to lots and lots of folks that we probably used to not be. And and I'm friends with lots of individuals that aren't part of our group. And, and, uh, I, I offer that friendship, I offer that guidance, I offer that support. However the heck I can, if, if anybody thinks I can offer support, I'm there. Right. I mean, it's, it's not like TCA and that you get to spend two weeks of the year, um, dining and everything that we do all together, but, but still, uh, I, I think I think this is a really cool thing that TCA has done. It's opened up a lot of doors for individuals to to create relationships with, with some of the best makers out there, for sure.
2: Yeah, it and it's like if you're it, whether you're a, 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 the first time you get the show, whether you're the first year a member, or, or if you've been a founding member. I mean, everybody gets treated the same. So um, you're you're as welcome as it's. I, don't, I you know just to be. You know, I've been a member 15 years, and it's no different. If if we get a new member, they'll be just as welcome, and it's like they've been here for the rest, all their life. So, hmm
3: mm-hmm. sure.
0: Well,
2: so what are you guys? You guys got all your projects done, and uh, are we making any money? So uh, Wilson made the Paris Spurs, and he's going to be. Western Horseman Craftsman of the Year, I think. So I voted for you, Willie. So well, thank you, John. Wow. Yeah, you didn't cool. to spread that
0: word. Yeah. You know, I got some yeah. stiff competition. I don't know how all that uh I don't know how you got nominated. It obviously wasn't my good looks or intelligence that created the nomination, <laughs> so I don't know I don't know how that so happened, but I a, think it's awesome.
1: Is this a new category? I guess I I've never even heard of this
0: before. I hadn't either i i want to tell everybody too my dad got nominated in the artist category he's up there with the big dogs so that's cool too all right they vote for pop
1: so we have to go to the western horseman yeah, I, website
3: I to vote
0: mm-hmm. yeah there's there's a link on that last post uh that i did and and uh i'm gonna i'm gonna send out an email if you're on my newsletter i'm gonna send out an email showing what's all that and and i don't have a a clue i don't know if i get a blue ribbon or thank you or what i don't know what it's about but why not it's good for western horsemen get a little little support for them so see what we can do yeah well
1: i think it's awesome i think it's great of course of course like a lot of things i mean you, you think of all the deserving people out there i know Whenever I get an award, which I haven't gotten one for quite a long time, I always think of why me? <laughs> I, there's so many deserving people out there. I'm not sure if I even deserve this, but here I am. So, well,
0: Louis Ortega is nominated, and um, you know there's several. And, and Dennis Moreland, who Dennis had had a had a retail store, right? I don't know if Dennis was a maker, but that's one of the, and it's brands. It's more about brands than it is the individual maker, I guess. But uh, they call us brands on the nomination. I don't know. It's interesting. Why not? It gives us something to talk about.
2: Yeah, Dennis Moreland. He's been around a long time. I remember when we were working there. I was working here at the Cowboy Shop in the seventies. We were buying hardware up at Dennis Moreland. It was. He's been a yeah. long while. So.
0: Yeah, when I was working for Greg, uh, Greg helped him get set up in Mexico with a lot of different things. So,
2: yeah, it's it changed quite a bit. I remember in the 70s, you think, oh, it was made in Mexico. It's such a poor piece of work. Now, everything's made in China. I think and getting something from Mexico would be nice, I think. So, you know, echo <laughs> in Mexico would be pretty good, I think. So, besides salsa, you know, so.
0: <laughs> right.
2: Here, well. Are you working on? You got you're back into the, the saddle making mode again. So
1: no, not yet. I I'm waiting for some hardware. TJ's got me a batch of hardware on the way. Might be here today. I got a rough out. I got to get going. I'm hoping to get that going next week. But for now, I got I got a pair of spur leathers and a a belt for a a mutual customer and friend of ours. <laughs> so I'll I'll mm-hmm. get that done. I got some uh, knife sheaths on their way for for TJ and his knife business, and so well, i I'm not I don't have a saddle cut out yet, but well, I got a batch of trees and more trees on the way, and and falling farther and farther behind on that.
2: Boy, How
3: about
1: you? Uh, you got a saddle going now?
2: I do, I do. Uh, I try to get something made up to go to take the corning to that. To, I have a booth there at that but I've got a really patient customer, Howard, in England. Uh, if you're listening to this, your saddle's on the bench too. So, anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel he's been he's been a very patient man. Um, uh, very very fortunate that uh, I have a customer now to be the second second saddle customer in England. Now that I have, so
0: cool, uh, cool. Yeah, Did you get to put a horn on it.
2: Yes, he wants it to Wade. There and you go. I follow him on Facebook and, and he so he's horseback way more than I am. So uh, I'm
0: happy yeah.
3: for it.
2: But then That's I have awesome. other I've got I've got a lot unlike Kerry, I have people going like where is my piece, where is my work and where's my side?" Yep.
0: So Yeah. I sent out a cute letter the other day very politely telling him what the situation was and maybe insinuating that if they didn't want to wait or, or the, or the, the path, the journey that I was choosing as a craftsman was above their uh, budget or desires that I didn't mind them bowing out of the situation. And the only responses I got back were no, 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 you can't fire me. I'm, I'm still here. Don't, don't be mad at me. Um, we want to play. All right. Be patient.
2: I I think I think back. We you know we were talking, and Wilson said something about sixty-five. You want to slow down? I think you know my mind still thinks I'm forty, and I can make one in thirty-two hours. You know, so (laughs) five it doesn't thirty-two hours. It takes me that long to cut one out and get the ground seed in it.
1: Funny how that works, (laughs) huh? Yeah, I I kept track of my the number of hours. I don't I don't keep close track on my base price, kind of the construction of a saddle, but I do occasionally kind of check in to see where I'm at. And over the last 20, 25 years, I've tacked a whole 10 hours onto my time on a, on a a sat a rough out. So I don't know how that's possible Is it because you're slower.
0: There it is. Are you building the saddle better or is it because you're slower?
1: Well, well, some of it's like, for example, I'm sewing everything at eight stitches per inch. Well, I back twenty five years ago it was five
0: there you go so mm-hmm.
1: there's there's a good chunk of it right there i I'm over twice takes me twice as long. I'm still pretty efficient with it, but it's still twice as long so but uh, how does that work out for you Uh-oh, john are you are you, hear that? have you you said you're you know about how many hours you've added on to just a basic saddle compared to what you were yeah, 20 I, years oh, ago? 20.
2: Oh, I could make one start one on Monday and then have one done by Friday afternoon. Um, I probably about the same time, maybe 10 hours or so, but you know, you get distractions. You know, I don't, I'm not out in the shop sometimes at eight o'clock, I'm in the shop at 10 8 at 30 or nine or something, you know. So, yeah, um. Uh, It's just I don't know. Uh, There, yeah, there's a difference between being forty
1: and sixty-five. I think so. um, Yeah. uh, Well, you mentioned it a moment ago, there, John. I think, and and I'll I'll leave. You know, there's the age thing. Of course, that's part of the equation too. But but distractions. Holy cow! I I allow way way more distractions than i then i did way back in the day i mean when i went to work that's all i did um i i had little kids and cattle and hay ground and all this other stuff but when i was doing that that's what i did and when i went in the shop that's all i did Uh, no tca stuff no no um i didn't do hardly any teaching uh you know, the phone didn't, when the phone rang, it was business. And, you know, you now you got, it's, it's all a different ball of wax nowadays. Uh, then you got social media that soaks up more time than I wish it did. I mean, the, the distractions are manifold more, way more than it was back then. I think that's part of it too. <laughs>
0: The challenge is figuring out how to get paid for those distractions. And you know, like, is it paying off social media? We don't get to charge by the hour for being on social media and posting, but is that helping the bottom line of the business for marketing and branding and, and advertising yep. and all that. And mm-hmm. that? That's the real challenge that we all face. And I, it, I mean, I, I, I am charging way more than I used to, but it seems like I spend less time at the bench. So you're making, I'm making way more money than I was. 1999 when i left greg but it's still one of them things like huh i wonder how this all works out i'm also spending way more money too um.
2: yeah i'm probably not a discipline you know I, I should be more and older I get I, I you know as carrie said there's so many distractions i mean like in, in 2003 you know i could i could build almost two saddles a week sometimes and um now you have cell phone. Back then, there wouldn't even you had a cell phone, but you had thirty minutes a month, and that was all you got. There was no in, hardly any in, internet at the time, and, and no Facebook or nothing
0: like that. So, uh well, we when I worked for Greg, we built fifteen hundred bits and spurs a month. It took me six weeks to build that last pair of spurs y'all saw that, that I showed yesterday. Well, that that's a slight difference in quality, right? So, it, it's hard to compare numbers, but but uh that is that is what's going on. Well,
2: I think Wilson, I think you say it's the best, you know, one of the things, and, and, and I'm very fortunate that this is how my work is now, but I don't need more work. I'd like to have really better work. And, yeah. and I'm for, I, I, I through the TCA and, and being able to build the pieces that I have and the experience that I, I, my work, I get to do better work now, which I'm really excited about. So.
0: Yeah. I still know how to build a $500 pair of spurs, but I just don't give people that option. You know, I'd be, 20 years behind. If I did all that, I don't yeah. want to do that. Don't want
1: to. Well, there's plenty of other places people can get that. Um, so I think you mentioned maybe on an earlier podcast, it's not, it's not our job to satisfy everybody that comes along. So how do you manage that? Part of it's through price. Uh, so, but uh, I, I certainly hear what you guys are saying. <laughs> Less hours at the bench. That means your value uh, per hour has to go up uh, in order to keep keep the, the the wolves away and stuff. So, well, we've chewed up an hour, gentlemen. So,
2: well, I didn't think we could have enough conversation to make. I oh, thought fifteen minutes would have been max. So I'm pretty <laughs> proud.
0: We didn't even uh, get into while we were giggling in the hallway of the of the Marriott or wherever we were in Scottsdale not Scottsdale in Mesa Arizona I mean there's lots of good stories John I wish you'd let me tell them
2: <laughs> no I think the uh, the the, uh, the his- my history in Fort Worth and Washington state since I stay-
0: I was I was going to bring up maybe there was an a, a, an opportunity for a good story at the stockyards you know some of that stuff that-
2: well, you know. that's because you started telling my wife all the stories. And then... Like, <laughs> well, see, she
0: already knows them, so... So good.
2: She said, really? Did you do that? I said, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but no, uh, she was she was present at the, at the stockyards, so was she not?
2: Yeah, she was there. Yeah, you guys were telling her all the stories, so... <laughs> uh-huh. And that, that's why you got mooned, you see.
1: So there you go. So, oh, see? <laughs>
0: Oh, it was terrible. Yeah.
1: Well, that, that, was a, hotel was down, that the hotel down downtown? Yeah, the one Man, we went we there. there? That place, yeah. the old place with, with all that, the wood kid. and everything.
3: Yeah. yeah. But, uh, cool
1: place. I
2: will say one thing in my um I did have open heart surgery two two weeks after that, so I knew I was gonna go in for surgery, so I thought, well I <laughs> <you know,
0: laughs> <laughs> they get some of it off your chest,
2: though. Yeah, so, you know, when you have open-heart surgery, then you're laying there in that big room, and, and they look at you, and uh, so the the uh, anesthesiologist, he says, uh, so what's your name, what's your birthday? And I said, so what are you in here for? And I looked at him, and I said, I'm here for a tubal ligation. And all the nurses laughed. He said, oh, you got a good sense of humor. You'll be fine. So... <laughs>
1: Well, we're sure you glad do. you came through that in good shape, John.
2: Yeah. You know, there's a that's a learning experience in itself. So Yeah. Right. Very blessed. I'm a very blessed individual. So
0: For sure. We're blessed yes. to have you too, my friend.
2: Well, I'm blessed you that you're to. my friends too, and that's one of the nice things you guys definitely some of my closest friends. Well,
0: well for sure. Can say the same yeah. things. Well, before we start crying here, let's get the hell off of here. I'm real sick.
2: I got a I get a soil of hiding here when I'm done.
0: And it's not gonna be eight fifths to the inch, carry I'm sorry. So. <laughs> there you go. Well be good, my friends. John, thank All you right. so very much for joining us and sharing your story. Yeah, you guys have a good week
2: and, and Willie, you have fun in, in Kansas. So I'm
0: uh, going to. That'll be a good
2: time. So um It'll be fun yeah teach us something
0: so i'll do my best all right take yeah. care everybody adios everybody
2: bye everybody